Welcome to We Are History, the most serious history podcast in 1789. I am John O'Farrell and I'm joined by... Angela Barnes. What are we talking about today, Angela? Oh, I'm really excited about today because we're talking about the Profumo affair and anything with the word affair in. I know. It's quite exciting, isn't it? It is the affair to end all affairs. It's the ultimate affair. Uh, <laughs> 1963 we're talking about. Perhaps we should just set the scene. I was uh, a glint in my parents' eye. Okay, I was a baby, and I'll come on to the fact I was a baby very close to where this was all happening. Oh, really? Yeah, so I used, this all happened at Clifton. It's the, well, the scandal happened at Clifton House, which is a great stately home overlooking the banks of the River Thames. near The Maid. Astors. The stately Astors home. stately home. And uh, Lord Astor had this grand pile on the Thames in Buckinghamshire, and my parents had just bought a house on the other side of the river, so while Profumo was frolicking around <laughs> a swimming pool with Christine Keeler, my no, parents John. little no, my parents were lying on their bed in that heat wave, thinking we don't want another child. Oh, but let's have it off anyway. So <laughs> I was conceived the same summer that they were frolicking. Oh, really? Around. Yeah, just a few, well, maybe half a mile away. But anyway, the Cliveden, the um, the country house was um, somewhere where I worked. Uh, in the tea rooms, and I worked in the gardens. I used to row to work by boat. Yeah, and, your uh, your life was very yeah. different from mine. Growing <laughs> yes, up, John, I, I have to say, I was still working with the servants there. You know, <laughs> I rowed to work. I rowed on a rowing boat. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's set the scene. When the scandal burst in '63, the Tories had been in power for 12 years. Yeah. Macmillan was prime minister, and old Duffer had been there for seven years. And he's proper. Etonian, I mean, Duffer's the word, isn't it? Old patrician, goes shooting grouse. You Original know. gangster Jacob Rees-Mogg. Of, of. Officer class, I'd say probably... Uh, he's what, he's what Jacob Rees-Mogg would aspire want to be. To, yeah. Aspire to, aspire to. I'd sort of give him more credit than Jacob Rees-Mogg. He's more, oh, yeah. Rees-Mogg. He is more of a sort of, um, you know, um, noblesse oblige sort mm. of, you know, ruling class sort of chap. Um, Veteran but, of World War One. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a bit of a limp, I think, from that and had been on the right side of the sort of arguments about things like appeasement and um, had a sort of impeccable conservative sort of pedigree. Mm. But it's 1963. Youth is on the march. The Beatles. Oh. That was the week that was satire. There was a new Labour leader with Harold Wilson. There was a dog barking in the background. Sorry, that's Tina the cockapoo is with us again for this episode. So Tina, settle down. It gets really interesting. Oh, she's eating something that belongs to Tina. So it's 1963. Youth is on the march. It's exciting time to be young. Great time to be young. I was it, one. So <laughs> I, I was I, minus. I, I cried when uh, Kennedy was shot because my rusk fell out of the cot. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Beatles, that yeah. was the week that was on TV, yeah. satire boom, private eye, a new Labour leader. Real sort of butting heads with the establishment started, didn't it? Very really? much so. National Service ends, yeah. JFK, new leader in uh, America. I think the 60s sort of start in 63, really. There was, you know... Um, What's that brilliant poem? Um, oh, uh, the Larkin poem. Yes. Sexual, sexual Intercourse began in 1963. Which was too early for me. Yeah. <laughs> Between the Chatley trial and the Beatles' first LP. So a general sense that the old fuddy-duddies of the sort of Churchill generation had had their day. Yeah. And that deference and the class system needed a big shake-up. Yeah. Along comes <laughs> the scandal with everything. It really does have everything as well, doesn't it? I mean, it's the Cold War scandal. It's a sexy scandal. It's got sex. Let's just mention the sex. It's got sex. It's got an English stately home. 
Yeah. It's got sex. It's got it, sex. There's a little bit of sex. There's drugs. There's race. Is there sex? Yes, there's lots of sex. <laughs> Two-way mirrors to watch the sex. Blackmail, a shooting. Oh. Four-way sex. Upper-class politician whips and sex. Hints of royal involvement. Mm. Plus a Cold War subplot to boot. So wrap that all up. It's, if, if it was a film script, you'd just be yeah. honest, a bit. you're throwing a bit too much at it. Yeah, this, exactly. Well, because we were doing this, I re-watched the film Scandal. Oh, yeah. Which actually just tells the story pretty much as it happened. Well, they wanted to make it, um, that film, they wanted it to be a TV series. That's right. And when they came to make it, the TV companies kept saying, yeah, 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 we'll have it. And then mysteriously backing out. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yes. The book I read, An Affair of State by Philip Knightley and Caroline Kennedy. The Fumo case and the framing of Stephen Ward. That's very much mm. from the point of view of Stephen Ward as a victim. We'll come on to him in a minute, explain who he was. But there's also a, another good book I read by Richard Davenport Hines, who I know a little bit, An English Affair, which is uh, Sex, Class and Power in the Age of Profumo. I guess we should start with who was John Profumo? John Profumo was a Conservative MP, a uh, Junior minister. Minister uh, for war? Minister for war. Uh, in, not in the cabinet uh, at that point. The most interesting thing about him, actually, was his wife. His wife what? was Valerie Hobson, who was a theatre star and TV star. She played the okay. lead in The King and I. Uh, so this sort of Tory junior minister had this glamorous showbiz wife. And right. can you imagine the summer fates? They're all like, wanted to have their <laughs> picture taken with her and not with the selfies hadn't been invented, of course. But uh, she, they were, you know, they were the perfect couple yeah. uh, with uh, everything at his feet. But he was the one who gave his name to this affair. I think we should go back a bit. Yeah. Maybe because I've read this book about Stephen Ward. Yeah. Let's start with him. So Stephen Ward was this sort of society, if you can imagine such a thing, a society osteopath. Yeah. He did the back of Lord Astor. Yeah. He'd helped the posture of every famous person you could name in the 60s. Yeah. The Aga Khan, you know, uh, <laughs> royalty. I think he did the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, wow. Any name, you know, they all said, oh, you must get, you must have my osteopath. Marvellous chap, Stephen I, Ward. I think until I read around this, I sort of thought osteopathy was a fairly new... You thought it was, you know, just been invented in our lifetime. Just been invented, but, you know, I didn't realise the popularity of osteopathy in, in the 60s. I guess amongst people who could afford it. I don't know who today's society osteopath is. No. You don't, you don't <laughs> see the them on QI, do they? Society drug dealers probably <laughs> yeah, the equivalent today. Yeah, but anyway, he um, he became great friends with all these people and sketched them at the same time. So he sketched the Duke of Edinburgh. He, he sketched uh, all these famous people. and While... Um, Yes. Sort of manipulating them Miles with one hand, them, sketching them with the yeah, other. Yeah, I don't know. But um, <laughs> uh, And he became great friends with Lord Astor right. at, at Cliveden. And he said, oh, you must have my little cottage down by the river. And there's a lovely little cottage there. Uh, which yeah, I, I used past. to work in healthcare, John. I was a nurse. No one ever gave me a cottage. No, in the, in I in thought I was grounds. a good nurse. No one ever gave me a cottage. This little cottage is just uh, down by the Thames, and it was sort of slightly abandoned. But Stephen Ward did it up, and right. he dug the garden, and he used to go there at the weekends. And so it was parties. in the actual grounds of in the grounds of Cliveden. Cliveden, uh, and it overlooked the Thames, and he'd have people down there. They'd go down there, open top sports car, and the, mm. some groovy music would be playing on the wireless, <laughs> and um, he'd have little parties down there. And Stephen uh, and, and rather lonely Lord Astor would wander down from his big country pile and go and see Stephen Ward in the cottage and there'd be sometimes there'd be girls there and would there now so St uh, Stephen Ward liked to um, pick up girls in coffee bars yeah now this is a <laughs> Stephen Ward <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead too no, far no jump ahead that's good with this but but Stephen Ward as a person has gone through a sort of strange arc mm. in in how he's perceived yes. isn't he so but the bottom line is to yes. start this story, yes. he picked up girls in coffee shops 
and introduced them to society to members of male members of high society. This is I'm something I'm always doing myself, yeah. going down to Starbucks <laughs> and introducing sixteen-year-old uh, uh, girls to Prince Charles. And that's the thing as well that I yeah. don't think I'd realised until I I was reading about it for this podcast that Christine Keeler was nineteen and Mandy Rice Davis was sixteen. Yeah, they're kids. That's I mean, that, yeah, I know absolutely, and that's the thing that gets me slightly about all of this because. Mm. It's always, I mean, even in the film Scandal, which, you know, but it makes them sort of like... Uh, sort it portrays, of fatal Yeah, of... sort of 28-year-olds. But they're yeah. not, they're kids. Yeah. And, uh, and it, kids from quite damaged yeah. backgrounds. Certainly Christine Keeler's case. She yes. was abused she by, I think, one of her step-parents. She was Absolutely. pregnant at 15. Yeah, by some local sol American soldier. Yeah. Uh, lost the baby. She grew up in a railway carriage near Slough. I mean, right. that, is not, that is not, you know, an yeah, empowered so young woman, is it? sort of... Uh, yeah, they, they were damaged young girls, yeah, really. Yeah, I don't know if so much about Mandy Rice Davis. I think she had her wits about her a bit, yeah. and I think she was a but bit she more. She was on only of it. sixteen, you I know, know, and I, know. I think she she had this yearning to be a showgirl. Yeah, um, and that was you yeah, know, and what are... she was performing in these bars and clubs. Yeah, so they performed at a club called Murray's. Now, mm. back in the days of uh, pre-sexual revolution Britain, yeah. there weren't strip clubs, there weren't uh, lap dancing clubs, but there was a, a bar where they could pose in still postures. They were not allowed to move their bodies, but they right. could be topless if they were completely still in a sort of artistic pose. Wow. And men would go along and drink their brandies and smoke their cigars and Kurt would come back and there'd be a this sort of little vision of lots of girls standing stationary, imagining they were Cleopatra or <laughs> Native Americans or whatever. And um, I think in the movie, I think... Um, Mandy Rice Davis sort of is a bit cheekier and starts jiggling about a bit. Right. Very attractive well, you to would, her. wouldn't you? You'd jig him <laughs> about a bit. You might as well if you're there. But anyway, Stephen Ward was obviously very interested in their intellectual hinterland and yes. uh, started taking them to parties and introducing them to rich and powerful men. And moved, certainly, Christine Keeler into his yes. home. Yes. Now, the book I read said that he did. they didn't think that either of them were his lover. Yeah, I've heard that both. That both Mandy Rice Davies and Christine Keeler lived with him, but neither yeah. of them had a sexual relationship yes. with him. But he did introduce uh, Mandy Rice Davis to Peter Rackman, who was yes. a notorious slum landlord of the yeah. 60s, used to sort of pack lots and lots of poor families into tiny rooms. And he would give uh, Mandy Rice Davis money, bought a sports car, and uh, Rackman slept with Christine Keeler too. Yeah. But Ward's best friend in all of this was Bill Astor, uh, son, of course, of Nancy Astor, the first woman to take her seat in Parliament. Yeah. And they lived at, uh, they spent a lot of time at Clifton yeah. and in a um, nice big house in St. James's Square, of course. Um, they're very, it's hard to imagine quite how rich these people were. I know. It's just, it's it's like reading a, a novel, yeah. hearing this story, but yeah, you, know, so that you forget that people actually... I mean, the house in St. James's Square is massive. And then, because I walk past that quite often, and then Clifton was massive. And um, and uh, he, he, they sort of owned the Observer, you know, and they were yeah. just sort of, and, you know, Parliament and all that. So, yeah, so, um, but Stephen was, was you'd given use of Spring Cottage on the banks of the Thames. And then at the weekends, you'd have friends down with these pretty teenage girls. And then um, one night, Stephen Moore persuaded uh, Christine Keeler to swim naked in the swimming pool. We see this. I've heard different, read different things about yes. this. One is that he persuaded her to swim yes. naked in the swimming pool. Yeah, I saw an interview with Mandy Rice Davis where she said that um, she'd borrowed a swimming costume from uh, Lady Astor oh, because she'd forgotten her okay. swimming costume. Okay, and it didn't fit very well, and she wasn't very comfortable, so she just decided to take it off okay. and swim naked. Okay, but uh, whatever knows? happens, who should walk along? Another guest at a party there, but Jack Profumo. 
She had wandered onto the scene and was very struck with the uh, naked young... <laughs> the naked 19-year-old yes, in the pool. I know. Can't believe you even noticed exactly. that. Exactly. And then one thing led to another, as they say mm-hmm. in the uh, helplines pages of The Sun, and yeah. they started having an affair. Now, Stephen Ward's circle also included... A naval attaché. Mm. And uh, what you can't see on a podcast is that John is doing air quotes. <laughs> so <laughs> a naval attaché. A naval attaché from the Soviet Union. Yeah, so a spy is yes. what they were presuming. Yeah, I don't think there were any naval attachés from the Soviet Union that weren't spies. Yes. So Ivanov, his name was, um, uh, Mandy Rice Davis called him a big huggy bear, which I'm sure he loved. Mm. And they went to the same parties. I've got a note here saying probably didn't sleep with Christine Keeler, but... Well, she's, uh, she states that she slept with him once. Oh, did she? Okay. She says she slept with him once. They drank lots of vodka. Oh, right. I see. And okay. to use that phrase again, one thing led to another. Okay. okay. Um, so but the, yeah, but that it was a one-off. So the situation you have here, there's the Minister for War has mm-hmm. the same lover. It's a rather sort of weird term, isn't it? Lover. It's a very sort of uh, mid-century. <laughs> yes. But the same lover as a Russian spy. Now, this is the middle of the Cold War. You've got the Cuban Missile Crisis coming up. Yes. Um, a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Yes. Now, Ward was being talked to by MI5 and they wanted uh, him to report to them about the uh, movements of Ivanov and who he was seeing. And perhaps aware of how risky this all was, Fumo broke off the affair with Christine Keeler uh, in 1961. Okay, yeah. so, two years. so it was it was like six weeks, I think, the affair. That's yes. Lasted, and I think maybe that's something we should point out because the Profumo affair in inverted commas all blew up in 1963. Yeah, but it all happened. It actually happened in, in the summer 61. of 61 when my parents were conceiving me. When they very were conceiving nearby. you. <laughs> so my my sister got shown round Clifton by Bill Astor. You know, really? Were, it was like if you just went over there, it goes, oh, come and have a look. You know, because she's ten years older than me, so she was like, she remembers Bill Astor showing them all round and stuff. Wow. He'd gone by the time I grew up. Um, so this affair had uh, gone for six weeks. Now, uh, Profumo broke it off with a handwritten note. Uh, uh, now, so uh. close up on that handwritten note. <laughs> Director lingers on it for too long. <laughs> oh, we're going to see that later in the film. Um, what a stupid thing to do. Yeah. So um, now, obviously, uh, rumours had been circulating in Fleet Street because, you know... Um, and- so Fleet Street knew at the time, well, pretty they, much, they, or they, just they, after, that, they, that they were, it happened. I think there was... Um, you know, they they all went to the same sort of clubs, and yeah. uh, Stephen Ward was probably a bit loose lipped. Uh, uh, so why did they not? I suppose was it just not that big a story? No, it's a big story. But no one dared. No one dared publish. I mean, right. that's the thing. You got no. You got no excuse to publish. You got no. Um, no evidence. Yeah. And they, they needed something, you know, to start dropping hints. Yeah. Then in '63, there was a shooting in West London at Stephen Ward's flat. Christine Keeler had a sort of lover called Johnny Edgecombe. See, this is the bit where I'm reading the script you sent me, John. Yeah. And I go, oh, for goodness sake, come on. How Um, did this happen? A nice muse house in West London. Yeah. Johnny Edgecombe was a a West Indian, what they'd say there. Now we'd say probably Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean. He was jealous of another guy, Lucky Gordon, another lover of Christine Keeler. Having affairs with Christine, Christine Keeler. Took a knife to Lucky's face, 17 stitches, and round her Stephen Ward's flat, shot at the door. So you've got the violence, you've got the... Fear of the sort of um, immigrant community, which the yeah, tabloids just... are sort of always uh, keen to stir up. And the police were called. And this gave Fleet Street the chance to allude to Profumo because it was like a um, uh, former friend of, uh, of John, John Profumo involved. Mm. And there was a trial coming up. So because yeah. Keeler had to come to court, that gave them something concrete to report. They can't just put a rumour. They can say Christine Keeler's going to have to give evidence. Court, and this is who she is. How come she's in this house? It's Stephen Ward. This man is connected with everybody. Royalty politicians, celebrities. Mm-hmm. 
So the, flat, the trial comes up in March 63. Christine Keeler disappears. Off to Spain. Out of the country. No one yeah. knows where f- f- straight away, but it's like she's not turned up in court. The right. judges are very cross. And the papers are suddenly going, where is the mystery show girl? Mm. Who is this Russian man who she was seeing? Ivanov was suddenly called home as well. So by March 63, you're thinking, okay, this is starting to... The papers are starting to smell a rat here because uh, somebody's paid for her ticket to not be available for the trial. Why has this Russian been called home? Private Eye, which is a very new magazine there, starts to make heavy hints. So Profumo stands up in the House of Commons and makes a statement denying any impropriety. And that's the end of the matter. I've said I didn't have an affair with her, so that must be true. all you need to know. (laughs) Back then, that's one thing I should say about all this. Back before 1963, there was a general sense that a politician was a man of honour and a man of his word and if he said he hadn't had an affair with her then he hadn't had an affair with her that's mm. the end of it and people were generally believed yeah um so that's sort of what is i can't imagine what that must have felt like <laughs> but to that's believe things that politicians say that's why perfume scandal is such a watershed because yeah. uh he was caught lying and everyone was quite shocked you know in those days it was the police didn't lie Politicians didn't lie, yeah. and you know we came it was to the learn. First sort of big sleaze. Yeah, because you then had Jeremy Thorpe was a bit later, was it? Yeah, that was seventy six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yes. I guess that was the first. Like, oh, they're a bit. They're a bit dodgy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I must have been back in the sort of seventeen hundreds. They knew if they're all lying and cheating, but I think there was this sort of deference to the upper classes. Yeah, that uh, Perfumo sort of shattered, and and also as you say that the press were part. They were in the same circles. Yes. They were in the same. Yes. You know, and it wasn't really till the tabloid press yes. became a thing, I suppose, that, yeah, I mean, there that was, it got ta- a bit more salacious and a bit yeah. more... Yeah, I mean, the tabloid press was a thing, but there was still a sort of sense of a closed sort of club. You mm. know, when the abdication crisis happened, all the press knew about it, but kept stum, you know, yeah. for the whole of 1936. It was only the last bit, last month of the year that it sort of broke. But yeah. anyway, I'm going back. That's another podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the papers start to bid for Keeler's story. Now, Keeler's, you know, been dumped by Perfumo and she's thinking, well, I'll sell this story and I'll get some money out of it. Mm. But they think, oh, well, he said it in the House of Commons. We can't do this. But suddenly, June 63, it all bursts out into the open and the story comes spilling out. The handwritten note surfaces yep. um, and the News of the World and all the other papers, the Sunday Mirror, I think. It was called something else then, I think. Um, all this comes spilling out and shock that posh Tory MPs say one thing and doing another. Um, so I think with that shocking revelation... <gasps> We should have a quick break. I need break to go and to, fan myself. Yeah, to have cold shower and reread the English prayer book. Absolutely. Uh, while, we, uh, while we think about uh, what's coming on in the second half, which will be the scandal, the trial, the aftermath, and a dodgy idea for a musical. Right, so we're back from our little break. We found ourselves down. And I think let's just recap where we're at. So the affair that War Minister John Profumo has been having with Christine Keeler has suddenly come to the fore. The press are reporting on it, largely because she was also having an affair with a Russian spy. So that has come out at the same time. And uh, Christine Keeler has been involved in a shooting. There's a trial which she doesn't turn up at and the press goes wild. Exactly. And now, uh, once this scandal gets out yes, uh, and the handwritten note from John Fumo is in the public domain, then he can't keep denying it. So yeah. he takes his wife to Venice and he tells her, whilst they're on holiday in Venice. Oh, 
Venice, how lovely. lovely. Oh, John, you spoil oh, Let's go me. on this gondola ride. Yeah. You know, as I go under the Bridge of Sighs, I'm reminded of something I meant to tell you. <laughs> I, uh, yes. like, I think I'd much rather be given bad news somewhere befitting bad news. Yeah, not on... I mean, not... take me to a, I don't know, underneath an overpass or something. I don't... <laughs> so poor Valerie Hobson chokes on her cornetto. <laughs> Profumo comes home, resigns, and the story is about to blow open. She stands by him, though, doesn't she? Her they wife? All, as they were they wont still, to they, do they, in those Tory, days, Tory, Tory stand by me... Tory wives, everything. Yeah. Thing, the country goes mad for this scandal because it's got all the ingredients. It's got the beautiful home. It's got hypocrites. It's got you know uh, declining moral standards. Sex. Sex. Oh yes, the sex. Bit sex. sex. <laughs> and the revelation that an MP had lied. It lifts the lid on suspicions about the upper mm. classes that we all knew all along. Now Harold Wilson is the new dynamic uh, leader of the opposition, and uh, he is focusing very much on the security angle. He's not interested in the. Naked young girl <laughs> no. swimming around the water, dripping off her young breasts Barely in the moonlight is no interest to the House of Commons. his mind, The whips, it, the orges, the man in the mask, the two-way mirror. <laughs> None of these are any interest. We're talking about security of Britain. <laughs> what was that about a man in a mask? <laughs> What's that about the two-way mirror? These are all things that came out about uh, the uh, alleged orges at yeah. uh, Cliveden and other places. That are they were... alleged orges, John? Uh, I don't... I'm, I don't we know. know if Do we were... have any written affidavits about the orgies? Not, no. uh, and the man that must was apparently, a, if you see the film scandal, as uh, hornets in in uh, or bees in glasses being oh, held yes. against testicles and stuff, <laughs> which is not something I've ever tried. Uh, <laughs> I sometimes think, you know, if you're too comfortable in your life, you really do have to up the ante to get some excitement. Maybe that's what you? it's all about. These people have everything they want I don't think anyone's going, oh, yes, I'd love to have bees held in my testicles. We'll do it when I get back from the food bank. Um, like, no, poor people aren't looking for that thrill, are they? Because just it's a yeah, thrill got... to have to try and survive every exactly, day. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. I think you're onto something there. So that's why these uh, uh, posh people have all these kinky sort of uh, yeah. sexual proclivities and then like being led around on leads because yeah. it's the only time they get that sort of being dominated, I think. Anyway, yeah. all the... Uh, remember in the middle of all this is Stephen Ward, the man who had introduced Bill Astor to Christine Keeler and Mandy Rice-Davis. Osteopath. And, and the thing was loads of people knew Stephen Ward and were suddenly very scared of being dragged into this shocking scandal. Mm. Um, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, had had his portrait done by Ward. Ward's uh, exhibition of um, his work suddenly had a visitor who purchased the Duke of Edinburgh's portrait uh, anonymously, uh, didn't say who they were, paid mm. cash and left. It just disappeared. So Stephen Ward has an exhibition of all his drawings, yep. lots of royals and a mystery, M mystery buyer uh, buys them all. No, just buys the Duke of Edinburgh Just one. the Duke of Edinburgh. Yeah, and, and, and it's never seen again. Interesting. Uh, inter weirdly, the um, portrait of Christine Keeler that Ward did is sitting in the National Portrait Gallery today. So oh, that's really? So you can go and see it and you think, wow, that's amazing to think of the... It's such an icon, really, of the yeah. 60s. Uh, and there's that famous picture we all know of Christine Keeler sitting with naked with a groovy chair. Yeah. And that was because there was some film planned of this scandal and she was doing publicity for it. So this, yeah. her posing naked. And that's a great iconic image of the 60s. Of this, and apparently it's a fake, isn't it, of the original yes, design of, course, of that yeah. chair. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the best they could manage. And they had to, they had to cut that little handle in the top, apparently, yeah. to yeah. distinguish it from the designer chair. Yeah. So the, the summer of 63... Uh, every day there were new rumours breaking. Was there royalty involved? Uh, in the film Scandal, they have corgis uh, walking around in the orgies, <laughs> little wink, wink. I mean, there's no real smoking gun about the idea that the Duke of Edinburgh might have been down at these orgies in Clifton. Uh, but I mean, it's, nice to, it's nice to imagine that you might we've have We've all been. seen the Duke yeah. of Edinburgh. He was yeah. there, right? I it, mean... Um, 
Probably. <laughs> okay, you can you can deal with the, the legals on that one. It'd be nice knowing um, you. I'm off to have yes. my head chopped off. So uh, poor old uh, Prime Minister Harold Macmillan is savaged in the Commons, mm -hmm. and he now he looks completely out of touch. How much did he know? Did he lie to the House of Commons? And one Tory MP got up and quoted some poem and said, never glad, confident, morning again. And everyone, oh, gosh, that's strong words Ooh. to say never glad, confident, morning again. Oh, no, he did. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great. <laughs> have you ever had that as a heckle, Angela? <laughs> anyone ever shouted? Not yet, never but glad, one day. Never glad, confident, morning again. Apparently it was devastating. <laughs> and lots of, lots of Tories abstained. Uh, in a confidence vote, and it looked like you know the prime minister might be out. So this, you know, mm. this, the, these this couple of big young, deal. Like this, this was just a yeah. fling with no consequences. This absolutely, was... it looked like a couple of young girls from sort of you know the the, the home counties lived in a railway carriage in Slough might be yeah. able to bring down the government. And he said, "I will not be brought down by that tart," which wasn't very nice of him. Chubby. Uh, JFK uh, was visiting, yeah, and the American papers said. Is it a very good idea that someone with such high moral standards as JFK should visit Britain? Wow. He might get caught up in all of this. Jeez. <laughs> they really thought that JFK was a man of, you know, sort of um, uh, sexual purity. But bless them. Um, <laughs> now, a scandal like this needs a scapegoat and it yeah. needs someone to be the lightning conductor for all the um, the, 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 the press hounds. and. Uh, so we've got Harold Macmillan is... is... On the, he's very worried. He's worried about his premiership. So yeah. what's he going to do? He's going to get his dreadful Home Secretary Henry Brook. Yep. Um, uh, to say to the police, get Ward. Get so Stephen, Stephen Ward, Ward, the osteopath who's made all the introductions. Yep. Becomes a scapegoat, scapegoat in all this. Absolutely. Profumo's resigned, so he's gone. He's gone. Uh, um, his wife is saying, let's not go to Venice again. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Even off uh, his back in Russia. Even off his back in Russia, but the police are under enormous pressure from the mm -hmm. Home Secretary to frame Stephen Ward for living off immoral earnings, for supplying what they would have said as prostitutes, we might say sex workers. Now, there's no evidence, actually, that uh, Christine Keeler or Mandy Ross Davis were what would be called prostitutes. They mm. were accepting gifts and yes. they did get they an income. They had sex with rich people for cars and gifts, but they definitely well, weren't prostitutes. Uh, yeah, they were <laughs> sort of, yeah. I suppose they, they were uh, kept by very rich men and yeah. presents and stuff. So I don't know where you want to sort of draw so the line. So essentially he was, the charges against, brought against him were for basically pimping. Yes. Uh, and his friends all deserted him. So there are all yeah. these establishment people who loved Stephen Ward's witty company. Uh, hanging his, out at his cottage, swimming his, in his getting pool. Getting their backs rubbed by Stephen Ward. They didn't want him. So Astor said to him, oh, could, I, could I have a word with you? Takes the keys off him for the spring cottage at Clifton. And that's, right. the, end of the, that's the end of uh, Ward's use of spring cottage. Paul Ward is completely uh, isolated and he's uh, complete, keeps being picked up by the police. And there's a trial. He's put on trial at the Old Bailey. Mm -hmm. And it's a very famous sort of sensational trial. And there's um, a great, great moment when um, the judge says um, to Mandy Rice Davis. Who's there giving evidence. Obviously. They're giving evidence. And he says, Lord Astor denies having an affair with you. And you know what she said, his famous quote? He would, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so Beautiful. He would, he would, wouldn't he? So that is now, there's, a, there's an acronym, which is MRDA. <laughs> which is Mandy Rice Davis applies, which yeah. is like <laughs> whenever you mean Wellywood, wouldn't it? It's just MRDA, Mandy Rice Davis applies. Um, and that's now in the Oxford Dictionary of Quotes, which is rather wonderful. Brilliant. Very biased Puritan judge. Double biased checking. Biased Puritan judges in the 1960s. Uh, can you imagine it? So it's no. very, you know, prosecuting counsel is the same counsel as the Lady Chatterley trial. Right. Which had been a few years earlier. Do you remember he was the 
the barrister who said, would you let your servants read this book? <laughs> so this is, the, this is the England we're in. Uh. And this trial at the Old Bailey came a sort of sensational daily drama. Uh, MI5, we have no knowledge of asking for Stephen Ward's help at all. So they're, completely, they're, even they, MI5 have deserted him. Well, they never talk about their operations anyway, well, of course. No. But uh, no, they, if the establishment had wanted to uh, save Stephen Ward, they could have done. But at the judges summing up, Ward mm. understood that he was doomed. Uh, and there's some, there's some, this is a particularly mean little moment. But there's a Radio 4 had a review of his exhibition of the drawings I was talking about and gave him a really bad review. So oh, he had the to, same just day. Just twist that knife. <laughs> to the same day that the judge was summing up, <laughs> saying, you know, this dear, dear jury, your duty is to find him guilty, you know. But, uh, uh, and he went back to his flat and took a massive overdose. He was found guilty the next day uh, as he lay dying in the hospital and he died. So that's the, the sort of tragic victim of this whole scandal. The entire pressure of the establishment had been on him. He'd been abandoned by his friends. Uh, his funeral, something like a hundred white roses were sent and said Stephen Ward victim right. of the establishment um, wow. Lord Astor's wife had Cliveden and the cottage exorcised <laughs> she, had, <laughs> she had the demons cast oh, how out dramatic. she had the Come demons on. cast out from Spring Cottage and then they, they had were to be shagging a, they were <laughs> doing spells um, Lord Denning uh, was ordered to do a complete report on the whole thing mm -hmm. uh, which focused a lot on the sexy stuff no, it did actually, really. Yeah. Uh, it didn't talk about the security stuff. It focused on mm. the sex, which is probably what people want to read about. But they tried to play down the security aspect. And to be I fair, bet they did. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think there really was any ever any uh, serious security breach. Uh, no. I don't think there's no evidence uh, of any secrets actually being. No, there was a thing about did she tell him about whether nuclear weapons Ivanov were going to be mm. moved into West Germany? There was are West Germany going to get the bomb? This was a suggestion that Christine Keeler was uh, <laughs> chatting with Ivanov and Stephen Ward and Perfuma about this, but there's no evidence about that at all. Uh, Lord Denning's questions to the experts mm -hmm. uh, included, what is fellatio? <laughs> <laughs> like you don't know Lord Denning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it came out, but Harold Macmillan was damaged and um, he resigned his premiership in the October yeah. at the Conservative Party conference. And the following year, Labour returned to power, uh, uh, ushering lots of social reforms, you know, divorce, yeah. homosexuality legalised, abortion le uh, legal. Perfumer left politics and went to work in charity in the East End at uh, Toynbee Hall. For which he was awarded an OBE. He was right? in 1975, so he's still very much in... So he's still the, sort, sort of, of part of the establishment. Sort of, yes, yes. Atoned, I suppose. Yeah, so, and actually, you know... Um, which is more than most... Sleazy resigning politicians. Well, somebody um, told me that they uh, they knew someone who'd sat next to him, you know, a twenty sort of eight year old young woman had sat next to him at dinner when he was in his old age, and, mm. and he said to her, "Have you ever had sex with a seventy year old man? You should try it." So, oh, so okay, apparently take he was it back. still he's just a creep. He was still trying it on in the oh, in the twenty uh, first century. Um, but as we said, we're you know, looking, I mean, so, so it effectively brought down the Tory government. I yeah. think it brought, Labour only just squeezed it through in that election in 64 by four MPs. So yeah. without this scandal, I think it might have been a different might story. Different. But uh, looking back, it feels less like a story, as you say, about pretty girls and the hypocrisy of uh, the Tory establishment and more like a tale of two vulnerable teenage girls being passed yeah. around for what men I, Reading for sex. around it, what I found interesting was there's so... Obviously, this all happened in the 60s. And then the film Scandal came out in the late 80s, I think. Was it that? Yeah. And, um, and then after the Scandal came out, there was a lot of sort of 
painting Stephen Ward yes. as as a scapegoat, which he was. He was. Um, you know, and, and as it's sort of man who took the brunt of everything. Which is true. And to the point where in 2013, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a musical <laughs> called Stephen Ward. I mean, it doesn't well, sound like prime. I said that the, 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 the scandal is a good, you think that's a great story for a show. Yeah. But. Uh, maybe he got the emphasis wrong. Maybe put the, by putting the emphasis on Stephen Ward, he's still a pretty sleazy man. Well, this is what I'm. Yeah. What I find interesting is that that was in 2013 that yes. the musical came out. Yeah, and I Didn't think do that well, now we're just six years later. Yeah, I think again we've got a different lens on it since sort of Me Too yeah. and yeah. and that sort of now you look at it and go. They were really young women. Ex they were. You're being right. Except flaunted around for you know and being perved on they're, they're by old, they're old establishment they're, men. They're vulnerable teenage girls being passed around, you know, uh, by men for sex and used and discarded. I yeah. completely agree with you. But, but as we're uh, recording this in January 2020, we've got the trial of Christine Keeler is on our TV screens. Yeah, and. Uh, when I thought that was coming along, I mean, it's good that they're doing it from the woman's point of view. That is a uh, progressive sort of step in the right direction. But they've still, I think, cast her, Christine Keeler, too old. Well, yeah, Sophie Cook's only 29, nearly 29. She's 29, so she's, you know, that's, she's nearly 30. 10 years 30. older than I'm Christine Keeler There's was. a hell of a difference between a working-class 19-year-old and, uh, you know, I know actors can, can play against their age, but they've also made Stephen Ward five years old. They've cast an actor five years older than her. That's uh, James Norton. So there's only five years difference between them in real life, yeah. and I think that shows. Well, it doesn't reflect. It shows those having agency that a 19-year-old vulnerable working class girls wouldn't have had exactly so they've, they've you know you've not got that sense of the, the difference in, in age uh, yeah you know because uh you know real life Stephen Moore was 50 when he committed suicide at the height of the scandal and you know not 35 like James Norton is so yeah. I think that's uh they've 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 they failed to make that power imbalance clear with the casting of that and you know credit to them for telling it from a woman's point of view but I still don't think you've got the the whole Prince Andrewness of it does yeah. not come across if that's I a word I can use I'd be complaining John about a woman being an actress being cast who's too old, yeah. but here we are in here this are case. Again. So she yes, but, but yeah, so they've so they've 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 still given her slightly too much agency from from my point of view. So there's a weird little personal postscript to all of this. When John Profumo died, um, I happened to be going on BBC Breakfast that day to talk about uh, a book that I had out. When was uh, that? In I think 2006. Okay. Um, so I'm sitting there, and then they had this posh young man as the BBC's history, BBC breakfast. I thought, I thought you were talking about you, John. <laughs> no, Sorry. I, I know I used to live next door to Cliveden, but... Um, um, yeah, the BBC breakfast's special history correspondent. Right. And they said, so... I can't remember his name. Tell us, uh, tell us about John Pumo. And this chap went, well, he was one of the greats. I mean, he was right up there with uh, some of the great. If it hadn't been for this scandal, he might have been prime minister. And I'm sitting there going, I don't think that's right, because I've always been very interested in this scandal. And I knew he was like only a second-ranking minister and not a huge, you know, perceived as a huge talent or a front-runner. Mm. But I sat there politely and nodded. And then Anthony Howard, who's like a major political commentator, came on a bit later and says, I, I have to disagree with your historical correspondent there. Pumo was never one of the greats. He was uh, not even in the cabinet. He was a junior minister. This same guy, I was there for the whole hour cycle of news. Mm. Like The same guy comes on exactly an hour later and goes, they said, tell us about Profumo. He goes, well, he was never one of the greats. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> even in the cabinet. He'd never have been prime minister. But he said it with exactly the same confidence and the same That's certainty. I thought, it's like he'd God, gone off in between. Listen to what he said. Google him. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, pre-smartphones, I think. But he just, 
there's just this, the gall and the confidence with which he said the opposite things within one hour of each other. Wow. There was another lesson about men and class and confidence and yeah. maybe we haven't come so far. But uh, so there, I think we've sort of pretty well covered the whole of the uh, the Perfumo scandal from the um, from the early sixties. Yeah. Um, it's uh, watch watch scandal the movie. It's uh, uh, it, it sets it all out in pretty plain terms. There's a good episode of The Crown actually surrounding oh, all not, this. I've only just started The Crown, so yeah. I'm quite a way off the yeah. The, affair, yeah they, they do that bit with the, the sketching of Stephen Ward and the and Duke of Edinburgh and the Queen yeah. slightly suspicious that he's been involved. Um, yeah. And as I said, there's plenty of books on this. I mean, uh, oh, Christine Keeler herself, of course, has written. Yes, um, she wrote a book, and also uh, David Perfumo, John Perfumo's son, wrote a book about it. Uh, right. He's someone who's in the London Library sometimes. Um, and um, did I mention that I used to live near Clifton? Right? Enough I times. I think you briefly skirted on that. I yeah. used to do clear the tables at the tea rooms, and I wasn't allowed in the to do the washing up because the boys couldn't wash up. So I had. Well, to... it is a lady's job, <laughs> and I worked in the gardens there as well. So this 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 sort of little story has always sort of caught my attention. Oh. But I never frolicked naked with a showgirl in the pool. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> That's oh. how that on that Matthew Rice Davis quote. I won't lie. We're not going to top that. That's all from We Are History this week. Catch Thank you next you time. Listening. And you can tweet us. Of tweet course, us on at We Are History Pod or uh, find our Facebook page at We Are History Podcast. Or just pick us up in a Soho coffee bar. Yes. See you next time. See ya. 